Welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. Uh, I'm Larry Goldman, Chief Analyst at Analysis Mason. Uh, today, we want to talk about rural broadband. It's a topic that's been in the news quite a bit. Uh, and my colleague, uh, Pat Kidney, the uh, partner and head of our Dublin office, has actually been doing quite a bit of work for several years in rural broadband. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity for him to tell us about uh, his experiences and what he knows about rural broadband. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Pat. Uh, why is rural broadband such an important topic? Thanks, Larry. Um, I think I think I think rural broadband is important because uh, part of all of our all of our uh, population live in the rural areas, and for governments and for for serve uh, and for businesses to serve the rural areas, we need rural broadband. I think um, I think we see we see this in in in. We see this globally. Nearly in, in nearly every country, governments are pushing rural broadband uh, because they want to offer their services, government services, to all of their citizens. And just because somebody lives in a rural area doesn't mean that they should be uh, should be excluded. Um, and we've seen it particularly uh, post pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, uh, many services, many things that could not be done, were done. Many, 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 many government decisions were made very, very fast because we had no choice. Schools went online. Many people that never work from home work from home. Whole departments of civil of civil servants work from home. Grandparents and and grandparents talk to their grandkids on 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 uh, video conferencing for the first time. It took a little while. Zoom, Teams, uh, Webex, etc all became household names so um, and that's only the start if 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 we have ubiquitous uh, um, broadband if everybody can uh, uh, can receive high quality broadband well then government policy can move in all sorts of directions education health social services and a whole raft of things we haven't even thought of yet you know, so what the basic idea of why say rural broadband is different in some way. Why does it need to be different than just normal uh, providing broadband in general? I suppose it comes down to economics. It comes down to um, the, 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 the costs involved in a much less dense, much sparser population. So in the past, we've seen this with, say, railways, you know, where large centers of population were interconnected and there were areas in between that 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 uh, would not have been connected now the thing about rural broadband is um it's it's more akin to uh, electricity and i don't think too many people would argue that we don't need electricity everywhere and every home and every business has a requirement for electricity or at least almost every home and it's the same way here so when we have a less dense population rural areas farm areas agricultural um you know on, unless on, on unless we want everybody to live in cities we need to connect everybody the economics are not the same the uh you know network runs are, are longer the number of uh number of connections per network run are, are smaller so okay. it's a unique a, a unique uh, a unique problem and so it needs this intervention by governments, right, to, to work in a way that the normal markets don't. It does. It does. Uh, when when we um, when we look at uh, 
you know the economics you 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 basically you project your revenues out and your revenues need to come cover your cost over time and when we we come to the uh, the economics of uh, high speed broadband in particular in rural areas well the costs are vast so commercial companies and investment companies they look and they say well look we're not going to 7 12 7 to 12 years return it's too long a return um and that's where government steps in and you know partially 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 helps all right so you know we've seen this uh, government's allocating money is it simply a matter uh that uh sort of some extra money is set aside and and things happen or you know what's what's it take really for rural broadband to work well when 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 government gets involved in rural broadband well they are not driven totally by commercial uh, means. Um, a commercial company can look at whether it's economical to, to connect a particular row of houses or a particular uh, small village or, or, or whatever and say, look, it's not economical. Governments don't have that option. We're in a political sphere and they really want to connect everybody, particularly if they want to deliver government services over 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 uh, over the broadband. So, so it is a little bit more complicated, but then there's a there's 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 a subsidy. So the subsidy comes with strings. You need to you need to connect everybody that wants to be connected. That wouldn't be you know um, you need to to provide it at, at a reasonable a reasonable uh, price. Uh, you need a certain minimum quality of service, and I guess that would be that would be common with uh, with commercial. Um, so there are there are particular challenges, and then of course because it's it's, it's public money, you need controls in place. You need assurance uh, in terms of governance and in terms of, uh, um, and, and you also need uh, assurance that you know that you do what's needed and no more. You want to incentivize efficiencies, but you don't want to uh, contribute to supernormal profits to 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 the to the uh, to the to the, to the um, the recipient of the, of the subsidy. So we have uh, 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 the need to set a policy and the need to figure this out, and then and then there's a sort of a contracting and compliance process are all kind of part of this, right? Yeah, I think I think you need to start with look, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And that's that's quite tricky because what you don't want to do is to uh, displace investment that would happen anywhere by the commercial sector. Um, you also have to balance between what the commercial sector would say they'll do and what they'll actually do. Um, so, you, as I say, you need you you want to, you want to do what's needed, but no more. So it's it's quite important. You also need to look at well, what technologies are you going to uh, invest in? How future proof they are? What you know? This is a long term investment. We're talking about government. Government can take a long term view. It's a bit like a power station. Let's let's let 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 look at a return over twenty years or twenty five years. Um, you know, will the technologies be upgradable? Will it take the capacity and and how does how does fit in with the uh, with with the projections for 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 bandwidth uh, in the future? Um, and then, you know, how are you going to regulate it? How are you going to ensure that the uh, the price paid for your rural broadband is comparable to where it is in a competitive part of the market? All this needs to be thought through um, at the start. Um, you need to work out, well, are you going to have comp competition on the network? 
and you're going to have different retail services and different retail service providers where innovation really takes place. So is it a wholesale only? But what happens if you get no retail providers? All of this needs to be thought through at the start and the contract and, and contractualized. Um, and worked through with the, with the bidders themselves. When we do world broadband, it's the same technology and the same products that we're doing elsewhere. Uh, so in many ways, it's very similar to just normal commercial networking, right? But but there's sort of fundamentally, there's a few things that are just fundamentally different, right? When we when we do rural broadband. Yeah, I think I think we we. We, we take the best of both. So government has uh, an objective to get rural broadband or get broadband to everyone. The best people, uh, the, the, the people best place to do that are the, are the commercial operators. Deploying in rural, right, it might have particular uh, challenges, but it's, you know, in very rural areas, not much different than rural and then, you know, changes as you get into suburban areas. But those that are constructing the network, that's similar. On 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 the uh, on on the government side, you want to be able to offer it to everybody. You want anybody that wants it to be able to get it. You do not want uh, people that are particularly isolated, paying really absorbent prices, to get the same same uh, service as somebody in the in the city centre. So there's a there's there, and of course the other thing is you have responsibilities to the public purse. You need to make sure that uh, that there's accountability and 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 that there is a, a transparent mechanism for transferring the subsidy from government to the uh, to the provider to the to the to the to the builder of the network. So in Ireland, uh, you've been uh, working directly uh, on the Irish uh, national broadband plan for for some time. So tell us about uh, your experience there. Yeah, I think um, it took us uh, a number of years to get it right. Uh, we've Ireland um, does have a, a large rural population and a large, very rural population. The uh, national broadband plan covers for about twenty-five percent of the population, but ninety percent of the land of the of the land mass of the country. And uh, it took about a year to get the strategy right. We consult on the strategy, uh, the market in terms of operators, the general public and other stakeholders, um, including government departments, respond to that and the, and the strategy gets t- got tweaked. And then it went out to uh, to tender. Tender process talks first about capability in terms of, of, of technical capability to deploy the network and the financial capability to, to manage the cash flow. And then it goes into uh, it went into a um, a dialogue with each of the uh, of the pre-qualified bidders, and together, once the once government uh, set the requirements, the uh, the bidders developed solutions to meet those requirements, and there was a little bit of of tweaking of both until a, a solution was 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 found, and then uh, a contract awarded, um, and once the contract is awarded. Well, then there needs to be oversight of the contract, um, and that's what's what's taking place at the moment. We're we're sort of two and a half years into a contract at the moment. Great, and you've had to deal with the pandemic in the midst of all that, right? Yeah, we mobilized at precisely the wrong time. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> right. 
Okay. So uh, sort of looking beyond that direct experience, what do you think about? What do you think about rural broadband as an issue on a more global scale? Well, I think uh, I think globally um, it's the same as as Ireland, the same as Europe and the US. Um, the the requirements are, are the same, and I I think what we're going to see is um, well, as I said before to you, Larry, right? That you know we're we're good at working out where we'll end up, and we will end up with ubiquitous uh, uh, broadband. The timing is a bit more difficult, so we're going to see perhaps satellite uh, in, in used and wireless used. Uh, the particular case in Ireland it is nearly all uh, fibre, um, but I think you know places like Africa. Um, uh, where, where, where rural is really very, very rural indeed. I think uh, satellite, we've seen satellite in use in Australia, for example. So I think there'll be a place for, for a lot of technologies. But, you know, if we move 30 years into the future, the entire world will be connected. Okay. So uh, there will be uh, distinct differences in, in different, uh, the economics and the geography of different places, but the overall story is there of, of a, a need to get everybody in the world connected with, uh, with broadband and, and uh, uh, we're, we're sort of underway with a thing that's going to take uh, quite a while. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. I think, uh, um, but we're, we, we've seen great, great strides in the last five five ten years and yeah i think i i think five or ten years into the future um what i found is nobody no nobody is now saying uh that we don't need it now they're saying is why haven't you got it why are you taking so long right all right well great thanks for talking with me about rural broadband pat uh thanks everybody for listening uh there, uh, Pat's also written uh, an, an article uh, that explains this uh, a little bit more fully, and uh, you're welcome to download it. The link is in the podcast uh, show notes. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. 